What's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the first and foremost sports podcast. I am the one and only Quentin Douglas. And I'm Jimmy Covington. What's good, y'all? Yes, sir. What's up, man? How you doing, bro? Chilling, bro. A little tired, but I'm chilling. What about you, man? Same, same here, bro. Been been working hard. Man, you just don't know. I, I don't even. I don't even know. Last time I've gotten like six hours of sleep, bro. Um, I I can't remember. The, I don't know how many hours I got last night, but I had had to get up at five forty-five, and I don't know for in forever. So I'm still trying to get used to that. Man, I feel your pain, but man, a lot happened in the NFL week two this past weekend. Uh, so. Let's jump right into it, shall we? Uh, so, you know, jump it off. Week two of NFL, like I said. So, Jimmy, what were your top three takeaways from last week? So, first, my first takeaway, uh, and it's my favorite, of course, uh, Cam Newton looked just like an, looked like an MVP candidate again. He was 30 of 44 passing for 397 yards, had one touchdown, one interception, uh, had 11 carries for 47 yards, which was a team high. And he added another two rushing touchdowns, which brings his total to four on the year. Uh, you know, it was one of the best statistical games of his career in terms of passing. He hasn't had that many passing yards in the game since his rookie season. And that was back in 2011, for, for, for those who don't know. And he had those best two games, his first two, pa- his first two games uh, in the, of his career. Uh, it looks like he was in total command. Uh, he was sharp. He was efficient. He had 15 completions of 10-plus yards last game. Uh, that was the most of any like anybody in the NFL, any quarterback in the NFL. And if you think about what he has to work with, uh, an aging Julian Edelman as a number one receiver. You know, you got Jacoby Myers, you know, Nikhil Harry, Matt Izzo, uh, James White. He didn't even play. You know, uh, his father passed away. So, you know, prayers to the, to the White family. Uh, but he, he doesn't really have much. He doesn't, in, in terms of traditional names and just production, he doesn't have much to work with, but he made it work. And he looked, he looked, Amazing. Uh, the great mechanics was a thing, too. You know, a lot of a uh, big part of Cam Newton's career, a lot of his interceptions have come from poor mechanics, uh, throwing off his back foot, uh, not stepping in throws fully, trying to muscle it in. And he didn't do that last game. He was I, he, I was very impressed by how Cam Newton looked. Yeah, I thought he looked good. Uh, that was the best game of the week for me. That that was pretty, pretty competitive. Uh, I thought he looked good. Uh, and one interesting thing, too, one thing about those young receivers, I think they mesh well better with Cam because with Tom Brady, he had been there so long. Uh, things were done a certain way. So those guys were under so much pressure to come in and immediately contribute, especially with Julian Edelman being banged up last year. Uh, so I think with them having Cam now, uh, a lot of that pressure, you know, is kind of taken away, especially given the fact that he's a threat with his legs too and can extend plays. Uh, but, you know, going to my first big takeaway, uh, injuries, man, injuries were ugly last week. Uh, you know, just a few big stars, Saquon, uh, torn ACL, McCaffrey's out. Uh, Nick Bosa, Mike Thomas, Kenny Clark, Devontae Adams, Richard Sherman, 
Jimmy G, Drew Locke. I mean, the list that that probably isn't even half the injuries that that that's happened in the first two weeks, specifically this past week. Uh, and one thing for me too, I believe Arthur Smith of the Tennessee Titans is very underrated. Um, I know the Titans, that was an ugly win against the Jaguars, but strictly from an offensive perspective, um, the way that the Jaguars came into that game and game plan to take away and limit Derrick Henry and how Arthur Smith was able to adjust and Tannehill was able to execute and they came away and he had four passing touchdowns. Uh, so I think somewhere down the line, he, he could possibly be a head coaching candidate someday. Uh, so I'll definitely be on the lookout for him. But, and my last, my last takeaway, uh, I think we're officially in the age of athletic quarterbacks. Uh, we see Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. We got Kyler Murray, who's looking like a young Steve Young. Uh, Cam Newton, uh, and then meanwhile you got guys like Drew Brees, uh, you got Philip Rivers, uh, these older veteran guys who don't really have that athletic ability. Uh, we see them struggling right now, uh, and I think I think the transition is fully fully taking place, and I think we even see it now with the up and coming college quarterback. Um, you have to have a great arm, but you know, now everyone wants athletic, some kind of athleticism. Uh, even Trevor Lawrence, he's able to make plays. Um, uh, so I think we're definitely seeing, seeing that transition, uh, happen in the NFL. Definitely. And, you know, w- one of my other takeaways is Russell Wilson is still cooking. And Russell Wilson is one of the poster childs for the mobile quarterback, uh, we know what Russ can do in on the ground game. He had a season a few years ago where he had 826 rushing yards, if I'm not mistaken. Russell Wilson has the same amount of touchdowns as he has incompletions in the first two games of this season. He's completed 52 of 63 pass attempts for 610 yards, nine touchdowns, and one interception. I'm just gonna tell you now he has the best deep ball in the game. That comes from Bill Belichick, and I, I couldn't I can't disagree with Bill Belichick. Uh, so, you know, for me, Russell Wilson has been the best quarterback uh, those first two games thus far for me. Uh, my last takeaway is rookie quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert looked like a gamer Sunday. You know, he went toe-to-toe oh, with yeah, Pat he Mahomes. looked good. I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Pat Mahomes in overtime. He And if they had a went for it, they might would have won the game. I think that when, the moment they, they decided not to go for it on fourth and one was the moment that they lost their game. And, you know, one thing I didn't like was that Anthony Lenz came out after the game and said, if Tyrod is healthy, he's still their starter. I'm like, you just had a rookie throw for 300 yeah, yards. Yeah, you just had a rookie. Yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. You just had a rookie that threw for 300 yards in his debut against the defending Super Bowl champions. But you want to go with, a, you know, I like Tyrod Taylor, but let's, let's be honest. He's, you know, he's an average quarterback. He's pedestrian, not spectacular. He's not gonna throw many interceptions, but he's not gonna give you a lot of touchdowns either. So he's just he's a solid quarterback. But you got a rookie that could use the game rips, and, and Tyrod Taylor could could help him develop. But like, there's no better experience than getting game experience. And Justin Herbert looked like a baller. 
you know, I had some questions about him coming to the coming to this coming coming to the NFL, but you know, he played well in week one. That's all you can really ask for. You know, he made plays, and he's one of those mobile quarterbacks. You know, he's six foot six, uh, two hundred thirty pounds, but he still can move. He can run the ball in the Rose Bowl last year. He had three rushing touchdowns, so they showed you his dual threat ability. Like I said, mobility is one of the most coveted things in terms of NFL quarterbacks these days. You need to be able to move around, extend plays when you need to, you know, roll out. You know, all that stuff is important nowadays. And I think Justin Herbert, you know, showed his skill set. And I'm, I want to see what he looks like, you know, going forward the rest of the season because, you know, that's that was an exciting debut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you, bro. Uh, and my bad. I didn't realize I ran through the rest of my takes before. Are you good? Uh, I gave it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know, I completely with you. I agree with you about Justin Herbert because uh, I think at Oregon, you know, they had to be conservative with them because I don't think they they really had a great backup quarterback. Uh, so I don't I don't really think they wanted to run him in college as much as they they should have. Uh, but you know, like you said, his his athleticism is definitely on display, uh, and I mean, he's like what about two hundred thirty pounds, uh, so he's not a small dude. So so he's coming with some heat. Uh, but you know, bouncing on to our next our next segment, a favorite segment that we we introduced last week that you that you brought to the fold, our three word game for the NFL games. So this week is week two edition. Uh, so Jimmy, uh, do you want to you want to determine which games we do, or you want you want me to call them off? Uh, you can just call them off. All right, bet. So so let's jump it off. Forty uh, ers and Jets. What you got, man? Injuries, injuries, injuries. Uh, Joey Bosa, you know, Solomon Thomas, Raheem yeah. Mostert, Jimmy G. The injuries were – the injuries, you know, I know you're a 49ers fan. They killed y'all. The injuries killed y'all last week. And this is going to hurt going forward. You're missing your best pass rush. You're missing a quality backup. Your running backs hurt and your quarterbacks hurt. So, you know, that's that's tough. Yeah, man. I had – you know, that was ugly. You know, of course, on the surface, we did get a blowout win. But, I mean, it's the Jets. They, they're, they're crumbling apart. But like you said, man, Bosa, Thomas, Solomon Thomas, uh, our best tight end was already out. D Ford got a lingering neck and back injury that he had surgery on a few years ago. Top corner, quarterback banged up, top two running backs, top receiver. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do at this point. So I'll, I'm about three. I'm going to give him three, four weeks before I give up on this season. <laughs> <laughs> but that's to the next one. We got uh, the Bengals and Browns. I'm not impressed. <laughs> After week one, you know, everybody, a lot of people were calling for Baker Mayfield's head, uh, and then he responded in week two. Uh, but I mean, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm just not. I mean, Joe Burrow played great again. Uh, you know. Baker Mayfield, he looked he looked pretty good, but that was because you know because of the game plan. They ran the ball for over two hundred yards with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, mm-hmm. which I feel like that's something they should be able to do just about every single game. You got two of the best running backs in the league, you know what I'm saying? So 
play action. Uh, Baker Mayfield is not the guy that can drop back 50 times and you go win the game. If he drops back 50 times, that game is going to be a complete and utter disaster. He's shown you that over the last two years with his high interception numbers. He is not that guy. <laughs> Perfect segue into what I'm about to say. And that leads into my three words. Burrow, no scrub. Baker Mayfield is the fourth best quarterback in that division already, and we're only two games into the season. It took Baker Mayfield to have a perfect running game, a perfectly called game plan by his play callers, and the defense to get timely stops in order for him to barely beat, uh, I don't even know, rebuilding Cincinnati Bengals team. Meanwhile, you got Joe Burrow, he dropped back 61 times. 61. And while, you know, ultimately they did lose, he had some throws in that game where he showed that, you know, he has some ability and some potential to possibly, you know, do some damage. Uh, but I like Joe Burrow's potential. And at this point, Baker Mayfield shown that what he what he is now is what we're going to get. So that's how I see it. But this one's probably near and dear to you, but now we got Cowboys and Falcons. What you got? Hey there, man. <laughs> I mean, it's simple. On Sunday, you know, I'm hard on Dak Prescott. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm probably the only Cowboys fan is, is realistic at all times. And, and I'm always, you know, hard on this because I want us to be great. I want us to win. Uh, but that's why you pay Dak Prescott, the first, first quarterback in NFL history with over 400 passing yards and three, three rushing touchdowns in the same game. The man balled out, did what he had to do. Uh, we looked absolutely terrible early. Uh, two fumbles in the first ten plays. I was I – w- I wanted to go outside, you know, watching that first quarter. We were down big, but, you know, we continued to fight back, put points on the board, and, you know – Dak made some some big plays, made some big time throws. A CD looked great. You know, Mark Cooper made some big plays. Michael Gallup, who was one of the more underrated receivers, he made big plays. Zeke was Zeke. You know, so you know, I, I was I was pleased by what I saw late in the game. Early part of the game, I was not enthused at all. <laughs> but, but that's why that's why you know quarterbacks get paid the big bucks to do things like that. I like to see him do that more consistently. You know, after last, especially after last year. The record in uh, games decided by a touchdown or less was one and six, and then we lost the first game by another touchdown or less. So you know, you know, most time, more times than not, you know, when a team has you know that bad a look in one season, they usually bounce back on the next one. If you want to look at the Chargers, uh, you know, they were great in the one score games in 2018, but in 2019 they were terrible. So you know, teams usually bounce back from those kind of seasons uh, in terms of you know close games. So you know. I, I think, you know, it's on the up and up. But, yeah, pay that man. That's what you pay him for. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, so, look, before I give mine, look, we gained a new listener and Drew, who I work with, you know, you know, Drew Magruder, right? Yep. yep. So, he wanted me to tell you for the Dallas-Atlanta game, for the three-word game, don't get excited because <laughs> it's only the Falcons. <laughs> But my three words, I see you, Dan. I think the seat is hot in Atlanta. Dan Quinn should have been gone a long time ago. That was the stupidest game outside of the Super Bowl. They already choked just a few years ago. 
that team has a losing record since that Super Bowl. Uh, and if, if you have a team that's constantly having meltdowns like that, man, and you've gotten rid of every coach but the head coach, then it's time for him to go. So I think the right's on the wall at some point. But moving on to this next game, we got the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen. Uh, wow. Josh Allen has been looking amazing these first two weeks. You know, he usually typically, you know, coming to this year, he's typically wildly inaccurate. You know, he's a big guy, so he can run the football. He can make some plays, but in just terms of just straight pocket passing, he's typically he's terrible. But this year, uh, he like he put in the work in the offseason, and he's meshing well with Stephon Diggs. You know, and he still has John Brown and Coop. And I'm sorry, not Cooper. I'm sorry, Cole Beasley. <laughs> Uh, former Dallas Cowboy, you know, Cole Beasley. So he, he's looking great. My three words, I got Josh digging it. Like you said, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, these first two weeks, they look good together. Uh, against the Dolphins, Stephon Diggs went eight receptions, 153 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, they were pretty much doing to them whatever they wanted. Uh, you do have to look at that level of competition the first two weeks, uh, but I definitely give them credit. Uh, but they'll get a real test this week, uh, and it'll be an exciting matchup. You get Jalen Ramsey against Stephon Diggs, uh, so so that should be that should be one to keep an eye on this week in the NFL. So next up, we got the Colts and the Vikings. Kirk Cousins sucks. <laughs> at, at one point in the game I looked up and he was 6 of 19 for 59 passing yards and 3 interceptions I was like Lord have mercy like what's going on 33 I, million I, I'm like I was like what I was like and I was thinking about you know the, I was thinking about their corners you know Pierre Desir they got Xavier Rhodes who who is a completely different player from what he was like 2-3 years ago you got Rocky Sin, uh, Kenny Moore. You got Malik Hooker on the back end. But you got Adam Thielen, bro. You got Kyle Rudolph. You got Eric Smith Jr. There's no way you should be passing the ball that terribly. You know, I mean, I didn't, uh, I Malik, didn't watch Malik Hooker hurt by the way. Yeah, again. Uh, I, you know, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I was just like, I was like, I was like, well, I checked in for a little bit. I was like, dude, what's what's going on with Kirk Cousins? The first game, he barely threw the ball. This game, he threw the ball a little more, but he was terrible with it. I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, for sure, bro. Uh, I got good job, Brooke. Uh, the rookies for Indianapolis played really well. Jonathan Taylor, his first star, 100 rushing yards. Michael Pittman contributed contributed in the passing game. Uh, Julian Blackman picked off a pass that got tipped off, and their kicker made all four of his extra points. Uh, but next we got Titans and Jaguars. What's your three? A uh, win's a win. The, the you know Titans won thirty three thirty. I I really didn't think it was gonna be that close based off the way they've dominated the Jaguars in years past. Uh, but Tannehill looked amazing. He had four passing touchdowns, and that's that was without AJ Brown. So you know I, I I was impressed by the way Ryan Tannehill played. I'm sure they wanted to win the game by more, but like I said, this is the NFL. A win is a win. Yep. I got not always pretty. Like you said, they nearly blew a big lead. Tannehill played well, four passing touchdowns. 
145 uh, passer rating. Uh, so good, good uh, playing on his part. Next, we got the Rams and the Eagles. What's your three? Jalen Hurts time. Carson <laughs> already. Carson Carson Wentz Carson Wentz was abysmal for the second week in a row. It was twenty six of forty three for two hundred forty two yards and two interceptions. And if you think about outside of Jalen Ramsey, you know, I can't name another Ram Los Angeles Rams corner, and then maybe an indictment on me. You know, I can name I can name their safeties. You know, John Johnson, Taylor Rapp. Uh, you know, but other than that, you know, of course you're not going to throw Jalen Ramsey's way, but you can take advantage of other matchups. You know, their linebackers aren't great. Uh, of course, the offensive line is banged up, but Carson Wentz, I don't know what's going on with him. But, you know, and I saw even uh, with even without a crowd, they played some boos. They booed Carson Wentz off the field. And so I, I saw that too. That's, that was that, hilarious. That was a, <laughs> one of the most crazy things I've ever seen. But I think Jalen Hurts' time is coming sooner rather than later. You know, funny enough, I'm actually right with you. Uh, I think that's ironic. But I had widening the gap. Uh, believe it or not, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz went number one, number two in 2016. Uh, I think this game is an omen of the trajectory that these two quarterbacks' careers are about to go on. Uh, we see Jared Goff. Uh, the Rams are getting it together as a team, and they're beginning to look like them, like their old Super Bowl contending selves. Uh, and the Eagles, meanwhile, they can't, you know, get out of their own way. They constantly are battling injuries. Uh, Carson Wentz is inconsistent. Uh, so, like you said, man, I think it's Jalen Hurts' time, time in Philly. Uh, so, next up, we got Giants and Bears. No, Saquon, no. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley tore his ACL on Sunday. Uh, you know, as a sports fan, uh, it, it definitely hurt me. I know it hurt him. Because, uh, you know, he's one of the best young running backs in the game. He's one of the most exciting players, if not the most exciting player in the league with the ball in his hands. And you never want to see a guy like that go down with that type of injury. But I'm sure he'll be back better, back and better than ever. Yeah, for sure, no doubt. I got Mitch staying afloat. Uh, the the Bears are 2-0, and but that doesn't negate the fact that Mitchell Trubisky still sucks. They've only played the Giants without Saquon Barkley, and the Lions without Kenny Galladay in their first two games. Uh, so I think he's been on a short leash, so it's only a matter of time for the bottom falls out, and we'll see Nick Foles starting in Chicago. So I got Nick, the Packers, and the Lions. What did you get away from that? Rodgers is playing – Rodgers playing possess. <laughs> That's that's what it is. The man has been balling these last two games. He's looked he's looked like Aaron Rodgers from about four or five years ago. You know, he's making oh, no the doubt. big making the big plays, being sharp, making the off platform throws, and he looks unstoppable right now. Yeah, man. Uh I got Aaron and Aaron. I think we gotta give credit to both Aaron's. Uh Aaron Rodgers has been holding it down, no doubt. But Aaron Jones, man, both in the run and passing game, even when Devontae Adams went down this past week, uh, he's he's been explosive uh, for for the Packers so far this season, and he's been unstoppable, man. Uh, 
Moving to the next one, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers. What I expected. I expected Tampa to win in the first game, in the first home game of the season. Uh, Tom Brady looked like Tom Brady. He didn't put up gaudy passing numbers, but he did what he had to do to win. No doubt. Uh, I got forgot about Fournette. Uh, I think for a lot of people, with him being in Jacksonville, forgot how good Leonard Fournette is. Uh, he had 12 carries for 103 yards. Uh, but I'm glad that he's now in a good team. Uh, he played really well for them, so I'm excited to see what he does down there. Uh, next we got Arizona Cardinals, Washington Redskins. Kyler, Kyler, Kyler. Back at it again. A ball out once again. I'm not surprised. You know, I'm expecting him to make the type of leap that Lamar Jackson made from year one to year two. Uh, it looks like, you know, Cliff Kingsbury has put the offense in his hands. He had another 286 passing yards, and he also added another 67 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns on the ground. He's one of the best dual threats that we have to offer in a game. Uh, I would say the second fastest quarterback in the NFL, and he doesn't get hit. It's always nice to have a, running, a quarterback who can run, can throw equally as well, and he doesn't take a lot of hits, it's, you know, in, outside of the pocket. Oh, yeah, man. He's dangerous, and he, he is a smart runner. Uh, I got meant to be. Kyler, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are already a top five quarterback wide receiver duo in the league. Uh, I, there aren't too many duos I take over them right now uh, in regards to getting a first down, touchdown, anything I need. Uh, they've been, you know, doing whatever they wanted to defense the first two weeks. Uh, and looking at their schedule in the next three weeks, they got Detroit, Carolina without Christian McCaffrey, and the Jets. So we could very well be looking at a 5-0 and Cardinals team in about a month. So look out for them uh, down the road. So next up, we got the Houston Texans and Baltimore Ravens. What you got? Deshaun needs help. And I'm not talking about offensive weapons. I'm talking about offensive line help. They offer he out. Jesus. Outside of Dwayne, outside of Dwayne, left tackle Dwayne Brown. Not, no, excuse me, not Dwayne Brown. I'm sorry, he used to play for the Texans. Outside of Laramie Tunsil, outside of Laramie Tunsil, their offensive line is terrible. Uh, absolutely oh. terrible. He constantly gets pressure, constantly gets hit, and you know when you can't stand in the pocket, he can't deliver strikes to to Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks and you know Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb. He can't throw to those guys. He can't give the ball to David. Can't throw the ball out of the backfield to David Johnson when he doesn't have time or Darren Phillips for that matter. You know you can have all the weapons in the world, but if the offensive line sucks, there's nothing that you can do. And outside of the left tackle, you know, like I said, the rest of the offensive line is garbage. Yeah, exactly. I feel bad for him, man. I got – it's too easy. Baltimore, 200 rushing yards. You had Lamar in on the action, Mark Ingram. Uh, my guy, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, Gus Edwards. Uh, that was the Ravens' 14th straight regular season win, actually. Uh, and I think pretty much at this point, hands down, they have the best roster top to bottom in the NFL. Uh, and be on the lookout, Ravens and Chiefs next week. So that should be exciting. Next up, we got Kansas City Chiefs and L.A. Chargers. <clears throat> What's your takeaway from that one? Justin Herbert's – Justin Herbert is great. Uh, that's I agree. It, that's what it is. Uh, you know, he, bought, he bought out in week one. I know it's just one game. But listen – but <clears throat> – excuse me. 
Uh, but to do it against the defending champs, uh, that was that was special. I did not expect him to play that well. It was actually a surprise when I found out he was going to be the starter. When I saw the Tyrod news, I was like, well, well, we'll see how this goes. And he actually played pretty well. Like I said, I believe, you know, at the moment they decided not to go for that, four, that fourth and one in overtime, I knew the game was over at that moment. Yeah, man, I got Herbert plays well. You pretty much just laid it all out. Uh, I think I saw he had – he was the first rookie ever to have a rushing and passing touchdown the first half or something like that. Uh, but like I said earlier, he's a big athletic player. Uh, and he was aggressive too. You know, he wasn't afraid to take some chances on some throws. Uh, so you definitely like to see that out of a young quarterback. Uh, and last but not least, the best game of the week, in my opinion, uh, you can argue probably Chiefs Chargers, but uh, Patriots and Seahawks. What's your takeaway? Lights, Cameron action. <laughs> Cam Newton. Like uh, even even with the loss, uh, he balled out and reminded us why he was the MVP back in 2015. You know, threw the ball. Uh, was very decisive, very efficient, uh, judicious in this approach. I think you also got to give Josh McDaniels some credit for making a masterful game plan offensively outside of their last play of the game, which we all pretty much knew was coming. But, you know, it's Cam Newton. Typically, he can punch that in. So, somehow, some way, he's able to punch that in. But he, he played great. Not to take away from what Russell Wilson did, because Russell Wilson was equally great, if not better. You know, you could argue he was better. Uh, but, like I said, Cam is – I think Cam – after, you know, I saw we all saw his offseason workouts. You know, we saw the video saying that they gave up on him. And I think Carolina made a mistake. And I honestly believe they owe him an apology for the way they treated him after what he's done for their organization. Uh, but I'm, I'm just glad to see Cam back and balling. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to debate or argue any points you just made. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. But there's no doubt Super Cam was out Sunday night. But there was another guy on the other sideline. And, you know, I told you last week, that's my MVP prediction. So my my three words, he's that guy, that dangerous Wilson himself. Man, uh, you know, two weeks in a row, man, he's he's definitely shown that he's out for for revenge this year. Uh, uh he had five touchdowns that he spread to five different receivers. Uh, so everybody in the offense is eating. He's spreading the wealth. Uh, he's been efficient. Uh, you talked about earlier, which was funny. I had the same stat uh, about him having the same touchdowns as incompletions this season. Uh, so kudos to you for also doing the research and finding that. Uh, but, hey, I don't think you can really argue that that against the fact that he's MVP so far through the first two weeks. But that will wrap up our second edition of the three-word game. So our last topic we got on deck for you on this episode, Dion Primetime Sanders was named as Jackson State University's head football coach. What does this mean, Jimmy, for HBCUs moving forward? Well, first, I want to say congratulations to Prime, uh, the greatest cornerback in NFL history. I don't think that, there's, no, there's no debate there. From, from anybody, it shouldn't be. Uh, Coach Prime, Prime, you know, Deion Sanders, he's been the offensive coordinator for his son's high school football team, uh, Texas, Texas, uh, Chris, Tech, no, I'm sorry, Tr Trinity Christian School uh, in Texas. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they've yeah. won a few, they've won a, st a few state championships with his son, Shador Sanders, 
uh, who's committed to FAU. But, you know, it's great for, you know, Jackson State and HBCUs going forward. You know, if I'm if I'm getting recruited by JSU and Deion Sanders walks into my living room, how can you say no? You know, and from what you know, from what I saw about, you know, his potential coaching staff, I saw I don't know how true it is, but I saw that, you know, they said Terrell Owens is supposed to be his wide receivers coach and Warren Sapp is supposed to be his defensive line coach. So if I'm a receiver and a D lineman, like I said, if Prime and TO or Prime and Warren Sapp walk in my house, I'm not gonna say no to I gotta go to Jackson State if I especially if I play those positions. You know, so oh, yeah. I'm sure. You know, when I, when I first heard the news, I'm, I was like, I know Prime's gonna have one of the best coaching staffs out there. So you know, I'm I'm excited to see you know going forward how that how this is gonna work. You know, one of the things with HBCUs, you know, I'm sure Prime is gonna be able to get them more funding. I'm sure at some point the facilities will be upgraded, and I want Prime to be successful, and I want them to get that man the time necessary to build a program that he wants to build. You know, too many times. You know, black head coaches, whether it be high school or college, they don't get enough time to build a program that they want to build. So if you give that man prime time, I'm sure that's going to be a great school. Yeah, man, I I agree with you. You know, the double down, uh, congratulations to prime time. Definitely well-deserved, you know, with his youngest son, Shador, you said he's off, off at college, you know. Prime felt now was the time for him to, you know, take up the offer of going out to the next level and coaching in college. Cause you know, he's actually had other offers as well as broadcast offers, but he's passed those up. Uh, but you know, now I think this is a big move. Uh, it's another domino uh, falling. Uh, you know, we already had McCurr Maker who was the five-star basketball recruit who went to Howard. Uh, but, you know, I wish these guys the best. I really hope they succeed. Uh, definitely with Deion Sanders now at this school, he's going to bring in so many resources. Uh, he could definitely bring in, like you said, some big-time boosters, uh, bring in some dollars, bring in uh, some improved facilities. Uh, you know, now they could probably get some TV exposure. Uh, man, just really all kinds of things, man, but very, very, very bit, uh, beneficial uh, for that university and, and that community. Uh, and like you said, if it's a success, I think it'll, I think it'll set, a, set a precedent. I think it's important to know, like, you know, not like I said, not only Prime going there, but if Warren Sapp and T.O. can go there, you know, this, those are two Hall of Famers and two of the best at their position. So you got three players that are, you know, some of the best at their positions, arguably the, you could argue they are the best at their position. They're all going to one school to coach uh, if it's true uh, with T.O. or Warren Sapp. So, you know, as, as a defensive lineman or a receiver, you know, I, I would be, I would definitely be considering, you know, Jackson State University. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, hey, well, I know this past week there are also a bunch of injuries like we, we, we brought up briefly in the NFL, did you have some more you want to talk about with that? I mean, it was just, for me, it was just the sheer number of injuries just in week two alone. And I'm going to just name you some names here. Nick Bosa torn ACL, Solomon Thomas torn ACL, Saquon torn ACL, Christian McCaffrey high ankle sprain, Drew Locke a sprained AC joint in his throwing shoulder, Cortland Sutton torn ACL, Jimmy G high ankle sprain, Devontae Adams a hamstring, uh, Tavon Young, a season-ending knee injury. 
Uh, Brandon Surf, a uh, guard. Torn ACL too. Yeah, Brandon Surf, a uh, guard for the Washington for the Washington football team, knee injury. Byron Jones injured his groin. Raheem Mostert sprained his MCL. Anthony Barr suffered a shoulder. Paris Campbell is out with a knee. Bruce Irvin tore his ACL, and Malik Cooker tore his Achilles. That was just in week two. That's not even considering what happened in week one. That's just week two. I've mm-hmm. never seen. I've never seen that many uh, injuries. Not even just the key players, but players in general in, in one no, week. Yo. And I and I think yeah. you got to contribute. I think you got to contribute that. You know, part of that is to you know, the lack of you know, not being able to hit as hit as much with the short and off season, and then not having preseason. You know, a lot of I know a lot of people talk about the preseason is not important, uh, but you know, that's just extra game reps. And you know, guys need to get hit. They need, their body needs to get used to that before the season starts. And when the season starts, they're full throttle, and things like this can happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know, like you said, with our game, we have four guys to sustain knee injuries Sunday, including two torn ACLs. And one thing that our players are saying is that the brand new turf that they have at the MetLife Stadium in New York uh, was the factor and why those knee injuries occurred. Uh, so we have another game there this week against the Giants. Uh, so I'm interested to see how they approach that game this week. So that's going to be something I'm keeping an eye on for sure. But did you have anything else to add on this episode, bro? Uh, nope. Oh, did you see they prosecuted one of the cops, but it wasn't for Breonna Taylor's death. It was for what they called, was it one-time endangerment? Yep. So not not for killing her, but for the fact that I believe when he shot, some of the bullets went through other neighbors' walls in the apartment complex. I'm I'm not surprised at all. Come on. I mean, think about where we live at and think about the color of her skin. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not surprised at all. Not, not even the slightest bit. Because you knew, too, it was already coming because before they made the announcement, um, they had declared like a state of emergency and uh, I don't know if it was just the city of Louisville or the state of Kentucky because they were afraid of the possible magnitude of the backlash of that decision. But I don't know, man. I do want to say, I do want to add that, you know, the attorney general of Kentucky uh, is a black man, Daniel Cameron. And uh, he failed. He went up there today with those fake tears if, and he failed, abs- failed to absolutely do anything about what happened. And dude is a straight up, dude a coward. He a punk, straight up. You know what I'm saying? I, like, how can you? I saw the video, like I said, with the fake tears, and it, it really made me mad. It's like, you know, how can all this time you've been kind of neglecting it, trying to put it off, and then you want to get up there and cry some fake tears so much you understand what it's like uh, as a black man? No, you don't. <laughs> Because while while people were protesting, you were having uh you know you were having parties and stuff like that. You, you dude, you don't care, bro. Like try to tell somebody else their lie. But you know that man is a, Daniel Cameron. That man is a coward. Yeah, no ifs, ands, or buts about that, bro. Uh, but 
But that'll do it for this episode of the first and foremost sports podcast. We appreciate you all for tuning in, continuing to support us, uh, continue to like, uh, subscribe, follow, retweet, whatever you got to do. Thank you for the support. I'm the one and only Quentin Douglas. And I'm Jimmy Covington. All right. And that'll do it. All right. Thank y'all. All right.